Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I hope that you are healthy and safe and cooking and coping, of course. We are continuing to celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Every weekend on this show, you hear from chefs and artisan food makers, authors, farmers, experts, and tastemakers, all of whom are passionate about everything delicious. And of course, and especially during challenging times, I always love to dish on living the best life. So we talk wine and cocktails, health and wellness, tech trends, and more. You can always find podcasts of shows you might have missed, by the way, on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. And it's time to get to the juicy conversation. So I always kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts. And I've been thinking a lot lately about how uh, this time period in our lives is definitely going to impact the way we all cook for a really long time to come. I think we have a more keen Uh, understanding and respect, I would like to say, for what's in our pantry, uh, for using it up, for being mindful of not wasting, of course. And I think that all of those things are a huge factor in the way we all cook. And it's given, I think, all of us an an opportunity uh, to connect in ways through food that we haven't before. I'd love to hear your stories. And uh, if you would like to share, you can always email me and we can dish Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. But this past week, um, I made for stress relief, of course, another batch of granola. Do you love granola? I do. With so much time at home right now, I have been trying to clean out my pantry from what I had on hand, and I've made a few batches of granola so far, and every time I end up deeming it what I call a keeper recipe, and I think it's in times like these that we find some of our best inspiration. So when you get out of your comfort zone and you look through your pantry or your kitchen cupboard and your fridge and you see what you have available, you rise to the occasion, right? I always made granola with the same ingredients, uh, some sort of nut, dried fruit after baking. Um, and I will say smoked almonds, which I happen to have a big bag of, added crazy delicious flavor this time. And I grabbed the nutmeg instead of the cinnamon. And it was warm and it was comforting. So granola itself, great for snacks with your choice of milk in the morning, right? As homemade cereal. Uh, There are so many wonderful things you can do with it though. So uh, wait right there. Don't go anywhere because I'm going to give you my, my top tips for using up that big batch of granola that you've made. But there's something cozy about it. I store it in an airtight jar on the counter. Um, I made a double batch and shared it uh, with a neighbor as a, what I hope was considered a sweet reminder that we are all going to get through these trying times together. And it is often my daily breakfast of yogurt and granola. And there's something about the crunchy goodness that wakes up my taste buds for the day. But back to baking up a batch. It's a nice ritual. 
And I'd like to say that you should mix it up all the time, no matter what challenging times may hold in the future, because granola is like experimenting every time. There's always the basic classic version, or you can make the more candy than breakfast kind of version. Uh, I've been known to make a savory version as well. Um, one that is olive oil based in fact, but they all start with the same simple formula formula rather you bake a mixture of oats and nuts and some sort of dressing, right? And I do mine low and slow 300 degrees for about 30 minutes, stirring occasionally sometimes more. There are so many genius techniques. I will tell you that I, um, read about and have read about over the years, Um, where you don't have to shuffle the oats around every 10 minutes or so. And I found a technique that I just had to share. So I baked this last batch between two baking sheets, uh, cookie sheets, right? One on top of the other. Single flat layer of granola packed into the baking sheet and then a baking sheet on top. And I have to tell you, the sticky, slow toasting oats sort of fuse into one another and you get this thin, crispy sheet of granola that you can then break into whatever size clumps that you like because you have extra insulation and you diffuse the heat. And I I did up the oven, by the way, to 325 um, and the granola baked evenly and it didn't burn. This was the joy of homemade granola, not having to stir it. And all of the pantry items that you have right now could make for a signature granola that you could be snacking on later today. So I would love to share my uh, keeper recipe. Well, at least the one from this past week. It's a coconut honey almond granola, but feel free to substitute your favorite nuts or seeds, whatever you like. I'm using coconut oil in this recipe. Great crunch, wonderful health benefits. The recipe is pretty straightforward, but I think truly delicious. And it is the bonus recipe this week. So email me, jamie at chefjamie.com, and I will gladly share it with you. J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. Just write, give me granola and and I'll know exactly what you want. Um, There are a zillion ways to make granola. There are also almost as many ways to use it. So here are my best ideas to think outside of the bowl, right? So you've made this big batch of granola. Now, what else can you do with it? Well, you could toss a handful of it into your muffin or your pancake batter. You'll get texture and crunch, and it's so good. You could use it instead of croutons. This is such a chef-y trick. Uh, over salads. I happen to love granola as a garnish for a salad because you've got the sweet and the salty, um, and it's just a wonderful way almost to season the greens. Um, I like it with sweet veggies and, you know, if you've got carrots or snap peas, especially delicious. You could use it instead of breadcrumbs. So the next time you make like a vegetable gratin, use granola on the top instead of breadcrumbs, a savory granola, preferably, and you'll take it to new heights. By the way, your granola makes the best topping for a fruit crisp, like move over streusel, right? If you have some aging apples or some not so brilliant berries, you could make a crisp very simply. You mix the fruit with a little bit of flour, sugar. You could use cornstarch if you needed rice flour instead. 
I like to add some salt and some baking spices and then just a granola and then some sort of additional fat, you know, melted butter or coconut oil on top and bake it off. And you have a fruit crisp that's out of this world. So that's my dish on granola this week. Again, my coconut honey almond granola is yours for the taking. Just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. I would like to share something personal with you. Um, I have been looking for ways to pay it forward, to give back during this challenging time. And as I mentioned to you here on the radio um, some weeks ago, very inopportune timing, really. I launched my first digital-only cookbook the week before we sheltered at home. And thank you to so many of you uh, that supported it. I I hope that you're eating lean and clean. The recipes are all healthy inspiration to feel good and eat well. And uh, right after we sheltered at home and COVID-19 began to spread like wildfire, I pulled all of the cookbook promotion. Well, I've decided to re-release the book. Uh, It is in its digital form. We call it an e-cookbook, but I have even better, I would like to humbly say, chosen to donate all of the proceeds from the sale of what I call The Last Bite, a lean and clean cookbook, my new digital cookbook release. All of the proceeds will benefit COVID-19's Emergency Relief Fund. And the Emergency Relief Fund was set up by the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation, They are providing direct relief to workers. They're supporting nonprofits that feed those in need. They've established a zero interest loan program for restaurants. So you can help support and eat well while you're at it. The price of the book is now $5.99. It features 40 recipes to feed your soul. They are all lean and clean and delicious. And after, you know, some weeks of gluttonous eating around my house, I think I could use a little bit of my own ginger orange glazed salmon for inspiration. But I hope that you will support. Uh, It is a wonderful way, I hope you think, to pay it forward and allows me to do my part as well with all of my loyal friends, fans, and followers. So check it out at chefjamie.kitchen. With that said, coming up next, he is a serial griller, is much loved in the culinary community. His name is Matt Moore, and his newest cookbook, his third just released, it's called Serial Griller, here right after the break, so don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with lots more fabulous food. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Join in on the conversation. You can talk with your mouth full here. So to stay safe and sane and well-fed from home, I'm sure that you're grilling up a storm. Well, at least I hope you are. I happen to be a girl at the grill, as you know, and I think there is nothing like some smoke and sizzle and flame to brighten up a day. And no one can testify to that more than Matt Moore. The culinary world has much anticipated the release 
of the quintessential Southern gentleman Matt Moore's new cookbook. He is the author of The South's Best Butts and A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. But he returns to our backyards and our patios today to share the thrill of the grill in his just released new cookbook entitled Cereal Griller, Grill Master Secrets for Flame Cooked Perfection. In the book, which by the way is an absolutely stellar read and you will want to literally steal these recipes and make them your own. Matt reviews the basics of great grilling and then he takes you on a tour of America and you can really feel the warmth, the love and the fabulous food that comes from the grill masters of the South and beyond. He shares their coveted recipes, their authentic stories, their indispensable tips. And so Matt is back and I am delighted in your radio to share his true story of being a serial griller and congratulations on the new book matt and welcome back are you healthy and safe i hope yes thank you so much jimmy all is well um, with me right here at home in nashville tennessee yes good and i i assume because you're home more now seeing that you travel a lot um, then your family is reaping the rewards of all of this great grilling indeed we've been uh grilling out every night it's been Fun. a great chance for me to connect with my family i have two young girls that yes. are four and two and a lovely wife, and uh, we were joking the other day that uh, in the, the 10 years that we've known each other, we've been happily married for seven. Uh, this is the most time we've ever spent together, and I'm thinking, Jamie, I might have reached my expiration date, so hopefully <laughs> uh, we can get back out on the road soon and, uh, and get back to work. No, actually, Matt, I beg to differ. If you put a really delicious dinner on the table tonight, you might buy yourself a little more time. You know, um, that's one of my qualities, but there's probably some others that she's ready to kick out the door. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> just just keep cooking. Um, why yeah. why the name Cereal Griller? I will tell you, and if I may, just make this mention. You are very respected and very loved in the culinary world. As I have this tremendous opportunity to share what I love and my passion every week, um, as I interview other chefs and restaurateurs and cookbook authors and comrades, everybody knows you. You have this warmth and wonderful teaching ability about you. And everyone says you are a cereal griller. So is that what inspired the title of the book? You know, I've always loved the great title. Um, <laughs> yes. From my first book, Have a River for Dinner, to Southern Gentleman's Kitchen, and of course, The South's Best Butts, which I have to remind everybody is not a calendar. <laughs> um, you know, cereal griller was just such a, a fun play on words and uh, something that I thought would, would pop it in terms of a cover and something you would remember. But there is utility to it as well. Um, really, the whole concept of this book is that, you know, it just doesn't matter the, the meal or the course, whatever you're serving. My belief is that it can be all made better on a grill. I do think that most things taste better with the... Um a little bit of smoky goodness. And thank you for bringing a smile and a, a giggle to uh, to all of us just there. I think we could use a little bit more of that right now. Uh, and I love the whimsy of the book, but I love the content of it. So let's dig in. The difference between grilling and barbecuing is a very important uh differential for you. So if you would, uh, school us. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the South and... Um you know, whenever there was a barbecue, I was always expecting uh, slowly smoked uh, all the time pig where I come from the deep south. Obviously, mm. if you move over to Texas and Oklahoma, you'll find uh, beef in the same manner. And the South's Best Butts, which was my former book, 
um, you know, I, I learned a lot of different lessons. And, and one time in college, a professor told me that nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And that was advice I took to heart in, in the four years I spent at the University of Georgia. And in the barbecue world, uh, pitmasters would tell me that nothing great in barbecue occurs over 300 degrees, that low and slow mantra. But for grilling, um, really specifically, everything good happens above that temperature. So mm-hmm. I do think that they are, are two unique and, and disparate uh, subjects. And uh, it's been a pleasure to write uh, two books uh, to discover the differences and also the commonalities as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's really important to understand the difference between grilling and barbecuing so that you can master the specific technique and talent of each so as to broaden what you do outdoors to, you know, culinary perfection. One of those very important uh, concepts, techniques, methods, however you want to call it, is the Maillard reaction. And I would love if you would talk it. Yeah, sure. So the Maillard reaction is um, named after a a French uh, chemist, if you will, Louis Maillard, who discovered um, that the natural enzymes and sugars um, would essentially react, uh, most specifically, again, uh, at any temperature over that 300 degree mark. So, you know, we hear this all the time in cooking, but the idea that brown food is good food. Mm. Um, and when we mention things in the book like preheat your grill or don't overcrowd uh, what you're cooking or don't skewer too closely, that's all done in an effort to make sure that there's enough surface area and the right time and temperature to allow that chemical reaction to occur. Yes, and the Maillard reaction happens outside of the grill as well. Like you said, it's what we all aspire to without knowing it, right? The the beauty of caramelized onions, even though it's low and slow and the natural sugars releasing, you see this science work in so many aspects of what we do. And I, again, when you understand behind it what's going on, then you can create more delectable dishes. Do you have a wood of choice? Because whether you're on my grill uh, a gas grill, a Twin Eagles, or your charcoal, we can we can still battle with wood. Of course. Yes. And, you know, I, I'll actually kind of pull from the, 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 the barbecue era. Um, you know, I, I love Texas. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> I can spend there, it's kind of like a second home. So cooking over mesquite to me is uh, that right blend of, of, of great smoke and wood flavor. It's not as powerful to me as a hickory, but it's obviously got stronger staying power than some of the fruit wood. So I uh, love cooking with mesquite when it comes to hardwood embers. And maybe it makes me a little bit fruity, but you put applewood on anything and um, I'll be on my way to dinner. Well, that's great too. I mean, uh, especially when it comes for, for smaller cuts like ribs and even chicken, uh, it's a really gentle and, and flavorful smoke. Yeah. And it's oh, something I always have it. in the backyard as well. Oh, g- good. Then I, then when all the dust settles and we, we do survive uh, the the current COVID conditions. Um, I'll be right over. Uh, you are always. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, please don't go anywhere. Will you give us a few more minutes? Because you had this extraordinary privilege of cooking, grilling with some of the best. And I want to hear about your culinary escapades. And I know my listeners do too. So don't go anywhere, Matt. Okay. Can't wait to tell you. Okay, good. We are serial grilling with Matt Moore. The cookbook just released. Wait until you hear his stories about 
embered sweet corn with Ashley Christensen and what Michael Solomonov loves to grill. We're dishing on the best recipes from Cereal Griller. Right after this, you, me, Chef Jamie Gwen, and Matt Moore in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. We're back and we're dishing. There is fabulous food coming alive in your radio. We're cooking and coping during challenging times. Matt Moore is always grilling. His new cookbook entitled Cereal Griller is out now, available on Amazon, getting rave reviews, having just released. And if you do love the smoke and the sizzle, then you will uh, be carrying this book around um, for days and months and years to come. I'll tell you that. Um, Where we left off, Matt, in talking about your travels and your experiences with some of America's uh, best grill masters, what stands out for you? Is there one story in particular you'll never forget? Well, goodness, Jamie, that's like uh, asking which one of your kids is your favorite. Yeah, no, don't tell us. Um, well, it depends on the day. That's the easy answer. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, you know, what's unique about this book is it's not just a collection of recipes, but it really is a, a travel log in a book. We mm-hmm. uh, crisscrossed over 10,000 miles traveling across the country to interview, uh, you know, some of the country's best chefs. Uh, that have been recognized, like Michael Salmanoff and Ashley Christensen, uh, to experts like Meathead in Chicago, and then some up-and-coming chefs as well. Um, it's really hard to pinpoint an exact memory, so I, I'll give you a couple. Uh, one of my favorite stories is a gentleman by the name of Jerry Baird, who uh, is in Comanche County, Texas, and he's carrying on the grand tradition of chuck wagon cooking. And you know, we just spent a day out in the, in the Texas plains. It was one of those idyllic days where the weather cooperated. It was just cool and there was smoke and, and laughter and uh, maybe a few cocktails here and there and cowboy ribeyes and yeast rolls and Sunday cobblers. Mm. Just an incredible experience. Um, mm. But when I really think back, uh, one of my favorite memories was actually going to Greenwood, Mississippi. Uh, the Delta, to me, is, is one of the most beautiful places in America and probably the most misunderstood. And you've got a couple there, uh, Sylvester and Mary Hoover, who run a very uh, basic grocery store called Hoover's Grocery. Yes, I read Which about really that. Yeah, it serves, um, you know, it's a necessary part of, of the town. And, and, and truthfully, in that part of town, when you still stay other side of the tracks, it, it means something. And, and, you know, these people have survived uh, some of the worst crimes of the past, and there's still a lot of that that's being dictated. But uh, the camaraderie and the care that they're giving to this community in the neighborhood on Saturdays, they actually bring out this, this old beat-up grill and get to work. And uh, we just really shared a lot of special moments there and um, mm. you know, took that away that um, no matter where you are and what your condition is, there's one thing that you can always do to bring joy to others and that's cooking and sharing great food. Yeah, no doubt. And the, and by the way, the lesson applies now more than ever uh, and really I think rings true for so many of us is that food does bring us together and that act of kindness in the form of seconds as I talk about, th- there might be nothing better, really. Uh, talk about, if you would, um, the honey butter yard bird with Thai barbecue sauce. There were so many recipes when I started leafing through the book that I couldn't wait to make. That one got like a huge page holder. Yeah, we picked that up from Margie's Grill in New Orleans, where it's a husband and wife, Marcus and Caitlin, have 
been running uh, Margie's, and it's uh, kind of an homage to the ingredients of Louisiana, but also their travels uh, to Southeast Asia. Marcus says he likes to keep one foot in Louisiana and one foot in the Mekong Delta. Hmm. Um, and we had just an incredible day there, and he actually trained under Donald Link. Um, and one of the things he really uh, prides himself on is just cooking a half chicken to perfection over a live fire. But he takes it a step further with this Thai barbecue sauce. And, and Tristy told Jimmy, and when I talk about writing recipes that everybody can follow, uh, we got like a few hours into this barbecue sauce, and I looked at him and said, Marcus, this is just ridiculous. I can't believe that you're spending this much time crafting a sauce. And, and that was actually until I tasted it. And uh, it was one of the most remarkable things, well-balanced, just a lot of different flavors, that umami mm. that was playing off the chicken. And, um, you know, we, get, we have an incredible version of that in the cookbook. And um, I, I will say this, you know, New Orleans is known for having um, arguably the best food in the country. And I'll, I'll be bold here and say that Margie's Grill in New Orleans is the best restaurant in New Orleans. Oh, that was bold. <laughs> really? Okay, okay. You know that I trained in Nolens, which is why I earned the right to say Nolens. Um, yeah. And and I will say that's a big statement. Um, and I can't wait to substantiate it. So yeah, yeah. New Orleans will be one of the first places when we all um, have the sheer privilege to travel again um, that I will be going to to eat. That Thai barbecue sauce, I cannot wait to make. I have to tell you, almost lick the page of your book on that one. Um, and then tell us, if you would, uh, the embered sweet corn with the lime basil butter. Really beautiful in all of its simplicity. What was it like to spend time with Ashley? Well, Ashley's just one of those incredible souls. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about her is, is the motto of just don't forget kindness. And she treats the, everybody as a guest. And when I arrived to her restaurant with her chef, Lauren Ivy. Uh, one of the first things she told me at eight o'clock in the morning is that we were having pork chops for breakfast. And, uh, you gotta love her. To start the morning, <laughs> um, but she followed that with a dish. Um, you know, she's always cooking in, in season, and is so fortunate to, to work with so many farmers and do great things in her community outside of Raleigh. Um, she had just this sweet corn that was in that day that she actually, instead of cooking on the cob, which you traditionally see, uh, sliced it off the cob to allow the natural sugars and sweetness and then cooked it in a basket over embers and uh, finished it with just a, a basil butter with a little bit of lime. And mm. I've got to tell you, it was almost like the, the best version of grilled corn and caramel corn with a little bit of sweetness and acidity. Mm. Just one of those dishes that really just speaks to cooking in the now, uh, using the best of fresh ingredients but enhancing them with fire. Um, it's just a super delicious dish, and we're coming back into that season of having so much great sweet corn that I will tell you to cut it off the cob, cook it in a basket. It becomes just that much better than what you're traditionally used to. Yeah, oh, the the char and the sweetness that comes out. I'm a corn lover, um, and that recipe, too, I, I can't wait to make. Uh, your experience with Michael Solomonov, who I know is a friend of yours, I'm very proud to tell you and humbled that so many of the incredible talents that you've just spoken about have graced this show. Uh, so you're all in good company together. Michael Solomonov recently sharing his newest cookbook made uh, hummus live with us. I'll never forget it. Uh, yeah, it, it was just one of the most spectacular experiences. His food is some of the best I have ever tasted. And I truly believe that his passion and love uh, it comes through in the food. Yeah, he's um, an incredible soul. And, you know, I met him really by, by ac accident. Um, uh, I do spend about 200 days a year on the road. And uh, my second home is American Airlines. And 
if you've ever turned, flown through Philadelphia, you always know that you get stuck in Philly on American Airlines. And um, after going to Zahab and, and catching a few seats and then uh, being introduced to Mike and, and creating a, a friendship, I kind of hope that my, my flights do get canceled through Philly now so that I can actually <laughs> stop and hang out. Uh, but we spent an incredible day together. You know, he's doing, um, you know, his version of Israeli food, very authentic, but also uh, having a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, from the, the shish leaks that he's doing, the kebab styles and, and the setup that he has on his grills, uh, I was actually just in Philly um, a few months ago uh, prior to publication where he opened a new restaurant called Laser Wolf. And he did this kind of kafta uh, kebab. And I, I just went back to him and said, dude, I just don't understand how you make it, like, so good like this. And this is not a recipe in the book. But he looked at me and he said, you got to put club soda in the ground beef. It makes it springy and super juicy. So he's just always full of these crazy uh, tidbits when it comes to recipes. And he shared the one with the chicken shishlik where he's actually uh, pulverizing an entire onion and just letting it marinate in that. Uh, and it literally mm. tasted, uh, my, my, my grandmother is actually Lebanese, so it tasted uh, just like her chicken kebabs, that, a recipe that I've been chasing in my mouth forever. Uh, and, of course, Michael told me the secret of pulverizing an onion and just letting the, uh, the chicken sit in it. <laughs> mm. The best tips come from the time that we spend standing alongside our culinary heroes, I think. And, um, and you certainly have had glorious experiences. I love the way you talk food, the, uh, the way you write it, Matt. And I am so thrilled for your continued success. And the fact that you're sharing what you love in a third cookbook release um, shows your passion and your heart. So uh, congratulations. The book is really, truly stellar. It's called <laughs> Serial Griller, and it's the new cookbook release from Matt Moore, from the author of South's Best Butts and A Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. It's an all-around grilling cookbook showcasing different methods, diverse cuisines, and the sought-after stories and recipes from America's all-star grillers. It is a, a very serious, delicious exploration of how grilling is done all around America. And trust me, you want to add this book to your collection. Available now on Amazon, just released, in fact. Uh, and you can follow Matt's Culinary Escapades at Matt R. Moore, M-O-O-R-E. Uh, Matt, please stay safe, keep your family healthy, and just keep making dinner. I think your wife will let you in again tomorrow. I really do. <laughs> thank you for the support, <laughs> Jamie. It's always a pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Stay safe and well, and thank you for uh, taking the time and sharing your passion. Sure we do have the biggest culinary thinkers on this show, so stay tuned. You just might learn something. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, back right after this. Most passionate food and wine lovers, listen here. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. So in trying times, it feels good to hear inspiring stories of hope. 
And I am proud to say that a food-loving friend and a very talented cook in New Orleans is doing such good work. Mark Stevens learned to cook from his Italian mother and grandmother. He is a two-time cookbook author, in fact, internationally published, a very uh, experienced traveler, and an avid cook and mixologist. You heard him here on the show last talking about cooking with spices, and he's a loyal Nolens eater. He's a really well-rounded guy, too. When he's not cooking, he works on films and TV shows as a DGA first assistant director, i.e. Dallas Buyers Club. Yes, I know, impressive. Well, Mark Stevens is back and he's here to dish all about that good work and what he's been cooking while he's sheltered at home. Uh, Live from the city, one of my favorites of New Orleans. How are you, my friend? I hope that you are healthy and safe today. Uh, Very healthy, very safe. Good. Master of introductions as usual. Well, thank you, Jamie. Yes, and well-deserved for sure. Um, Okay, warm our hearts, please, because when I heard about what you're doing with your crew, um, I thought it was uh, only necessary to uh, spread the word. Yeah, and we very much appreciate it. So the Mardi Gras crew that I'm in, we're in a walking parade. It's all about food. It's called Red Beans and Rice. And it's really fun, and hmm. we make suits and march around on Lundy Gras on Mondays um, wearing bean costumes, red beans and rice and Baileys and all kinds of things. I love glued, it. <laughs> yeah, glued to our jackets. Because Monday, Monday is red beans, right? Always. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You got it. Traditional. Mm-hmm. And generally, during after Mardi Gras, during March, March Madness, we have a, a accompanying charity event called Bean Madness, where we have a head-to-head restaurant bracketed competition to find the red, best red beans and rice in New Orleans, <laughs> winner take all. Love it. And this year, for obvious reasons, we couldn't do it because of COVID. Right. And so we shifted gears really quickly. Our founder and sort of lead organizer of the crew, his wife works in the ER here in New Orleans, and he she told him about a nurse who brought in cookies and lifted the spirits of the entire department. So he spent 60 bucks at a local New Orleans joint called Tropicalia and just bought Brigadieros, like a sweet Brazilian treat for the, for the staff, and then asked the crew for donations and 500 bucks the first day and 1000 bucks the next day and 1500 and so on and so forth. Not brilliant. And it, it, yeah, it exploded really quickly and to the point where now we're – feeding every COVID unit, every ICU and emergency department in all 15 New Orleans hospitals and keeping 40 restaurants, local restaurants afloat while hiring musicians to make the deliveries. So three-pronged attack to keep our healthcare heroes fed and to keep some of New Orleans culture Thriving. I think it's amazing this concept because it is so full circle that you are able to feed and support the healthcare workers who give so much of themselves to do what they do, especially in times like these. And then the local restaurants getting some business from what you're doing. And then these local musicians, so much at the heart of what New Orleans is, right? All about the party, the camaraderie, the music, the artistry, the talent, these musicians having work as well through these deliveries, I think is a really brilliant template. And 
I just, I think it's wonderful work. I understand from what you had told me, the money continues to come in, right? I mean, the donations are, are ongoing. Absolutely. And we ask anybody who can to donate, of course, but also for those who can't to give us a plug or a shout out on Instagram or Twitter or put us in contact with your friends or family that might work at a corporate environment that can be in position to support us as well. And we've had some great, great partners like uh, Popeye's Chicken and Rouse's here in New Orleans grocery store, uh, as well as some of the local area athletes like Cam Jordan, Saints player, nice, and yeah. DJ Augustin is an NBA player. We shall meet again. Until then, please continue to do your good work. Uh, thank you for giving back and for paying it forward. Um, keep New Orleans thriving, please, as much as you can, because while we can't travel now, we can travel the world in sauces when we meet again, but we will be back to Nolens. And you know, I trained in New Orleans, so I have the right to call it Nolens, right? I do know that. Yes. I don't know if I can grant that permission not being in New Orleans. Maybe half permission. You're close enough. You're close enough. Um, But keep cooking. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And thank you for um, coming back to share your passion. Much appreciated. Thank you for having us on. And really appreciate it. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I hope that it it gave you uh, a bit of a break or that it inspired you to cook something new and different this coming week, um, that it eased your mind uh, or your palate or your heart just a little bit to hear good stories uh, and to be inspired by fabulous flavors. And so with that said, I thank you for joining me every week as we band together. We will get through this uh, and definitely with the help of food. I will leave you with my last bite. I always call this last portion of the show my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration and culinary conversation. And I bet you have some goat cheese or blue cheese or remnants of cheese in your fridge right now. Well, why not make your own cheese log for a quick appetizer before dinner with a glass of wine, of course. So this is a great time to raid your fridge and your pantry and consider a cheese log. Goat cheese, blue cheese, uh, the more cheeses, the better. Uh, preferably uh, at room temperature so that you can make this smooth palate pleaser. You're going to combine them all in your food processor and you can blend in a little bit of honey or maple syrup or jalapenos for heat or fresh herbs from the garden for an herbaceous twist or maybe some nuts for texture. And then roll that cheese log once the cheese is combined in a bevy of coatings. You could do dried cranberries mixed with pistachios or cracked pepper and fresh thyme. The flavors you choose are endless and cater them to your palate, of course, but it's sort of like Play-Doh for grown-ups at happy hour. And I love a homemade cheese log. I will post this inspiration on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I will meet you coming up Monday, Facebook Live, 4 p.m., Fridays, 12 noon, Instagram Live, and every weekend in your radio. Please check out chefjamie.kitchen so that you can pay it forward and eat well. And until then, I hope you continue to thrive, cook, and cope. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Eat well. Eat well.